Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles, and today we're going to talk about the Mac Pro seemingly absent at the end of this year. Look forward to 2023, some of our favorite apps from this past year, and maybe a little Mastodon talk as well. This episode is brought to you by iMazing, and joining me for the final time in 2022, my friend across the pond, wow. <laughs> William Gallagher. How's it going? Oh, it seems so final. When you say it like that, um, I thought it was going okay. No, just this year. Just this year. No, 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 no. You'll be back in, a, in like, what, two weeks? About two five weeks. hours, something like that. Yes, yes. Yeah, it does, it does feel like that for sure. Well, we're going to talk about uh, looking forward to 2023 in this episode. And special guest Jason Aiton will join us next week for a year in review, looking at everything Apple released this past year. Oh. But uh, we're, we're going to be futurists today, William. Yes. You can finally give your uh, official Apple car prediction <laughs> in this episode. It'll be blue. It'll be in January. I'm done. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> now, I know that people have been asking for this, so I, let me let me play this here real quick. Roasting on an open fire. I'll let you know when it's your cue. Uh-huh. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. This is uh, the Michael Bublé Apple Music sing. <clears throat> Yuletide carols being sung by a choir and folks dressed up like Eskimos. Hi, right, William, you go. Thinking about it, I think the apple car will probably be silver, space grey or silver, not blue. Yeah. <laughs> I just want our listeners to know I tried. You did. I try. tried doing the, the yeah. Apple Music singing. I mean, you forget the fact that I've just had a disastrous holiday and I came back to be in your company and have a good time. I think you do this to me and oh, it's fine. Sorry. No, no, it's all right. Now wait a minute. Now wait a minute. What what happened? You did go on holiday and you said it was oh, uh, it was not so good. What happened? Don't even go there. Oh, actually, that was the problem. We didn't even go. You know that bit at the airport? You didn't go. You, you've got, you've done the online check-in. You're in the queue to go to security. And uh, Flighty on your Apple Watch pops up to say your flight's been cancelled. That's what happened. What? Yeah. British Airways decided to cancel just... a flight. Yeah. And we were going on a six-day river cruise from Budapest. And British Airways said, yeah, if we were very nice, if we were very good, they would swap us to another flight that would get us three days into our six-day course. And of course, of course, a cruise. But of course, oh. you know, the boat would have been three days gone by then so uh, the whole holiday was scrapped and we drove no william what but on the upside the flighty app is is really well it's mostly really good uh, even after the flight was cancelled it kept telling us that the inbound version of the flight it's nearly here i'm thinking you know i don't care very much anymore i really don't care it's oh. gone but other than that it was far it's better than heathrow airport's own app for example but there you go. Now, there was no other, like, things that you could, no other flights that were available? No. Uh, it looked to me, uh, going through uh, Flighty and, um, what's the other, Kayak and things like this, all this information you can have, I could track down flights that would get us there a day late, uh, which is better than three days late, and maybe we could have done something, but it was not allowed. I imagine if we decided to spend several hundred pounds and just buy an extra flight from somewhere else, Maybe we could have got there, but it wasn't really an option. So instead, oh. I came home and sulked. That's what I did. Oh, my goodness. Were you able to get like a move your river cruise ticket to another time or get some kind of re refund? Yes, uh, it, we will actually do it about this time next year. Although, mildly amusingly, okay. it was cancelled last year because of COVID. <clears throat> and at one point during this, it looked like the next December one was full. So it would be 2024. And I don't know what happened to fix that. But it would have been a four years late uh, cruise. Oh, my mom my keeps God. saying that uh, Angela and I are always going on a cruise. And we're trying. But, you know, it's my first <laughs> ever one. Oh, my goodness. Was this a Ama Waterways or Viking cruise? It was Viking. You know them. It's, yeah. I do, yeah. I do. I've had the privilege of going on one river cruise down the Rhine. Oh. And it was amazing. It was beautiful. Oh. Uh, yeah, not helping, but good. Good. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk about Apple <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah. Then, that's uh, what we're lift, here for. Lift your spirits. Yes. yes. I'm so sorry. Better. So hopefully next year you'll get to go. My goodness. But seriously, flighty app. I subscribed for a month uh, for the inbound outbound. Really impressed. Uh, with that app so that's a good thing to come out of this and i will subscribe for a month again the next time i'm going flying so next yes, year yes 
it really it really is a great app and like live activity wise it's one of the few that it just works really well and is reliable. Yeah, I was so looking forward to that. But because the flight was also delayed, live activities on flighty starts only three hours before the flight departs, I learned. Right. And uh, the flight was sufficiently delayed that we didn't quite get to that point before it was cancelled. I was really looking forward to my first actual use of live activities, but oh, it was goodness. not to be. Next year, William, mm. next year we're going to hear a wonderful story about you on a river cruise. Uh, but Flatty will be the highlight of your trip. That's we'll hear about next year. Although, you know, by next year, who cares? There'll be all this great Apple stuff out. That's what we'll be thinking about. Forget holidays. Well, we're going to get to that because, well, maybe we'll make some predictions for 2023. Uh, real quick, one five-star review shout out. Hear me from Estonia. Oh, right. Estonia. International yeah. review this year, this, this episode. Very cool. All right, so real quick, before we get to our predictions and looking forward to 2023, a couple news bits. Seemingly absent this entire year has been the Mac Pro. We got that mention earlier this year from Jeff Williams saying it's the last Mac to go to an Apple Silicon transition, but we're now in the final week of 2022. We have literally just one week left. No mention of the Mac Pro from Apple. I Doubtful, I think, that we'll hear anything about it now. But according to Mark Gurman in his Power On newsletter from Bloomberg, supposedly Apple's pulling back from offering a Mac Pro with an M something extreme chip inside due to production problems. So this might be what has caused the delays and might even be canceled now. Apparently the complexity, worries over cost, things like that, general recession time, it's like who's going to buy a super expensive Apple Silicon Mac Pro. So we might not see it till next year or probably not see it till next year. And even then, it might not have the extreme chip. It might just have some kind of double M2 Ultra variation with a bunch of GPU cores and a bunch of unified memory. So we'll see. I, I, I'm surprised. I really thought we'd at least hear about it sometime by the end of this year. Well, on the positive side, you know, whatever it is, whenever it comes, it'll still be faster and cheaper than the current Mac Pro. It'll be very impressive, whatever it is. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a pretty low bar yes. from the, <laughs> the Intel one from... 2019 that's, that's actually three, grief, yes. three years old um the thing yeah, is uh, apple totally failed here really apple silicon two years from wwdc uh two and a half years ago whole range failed to do it apple blew it completely what do you mean they did fantastic <laughs> machines otherwise uh they failed on that literal promise but you know i mean you gotta let them off everything else is so great um, yeah, and I mean, the Mac Studio was something that was not expected. No. At least, you know, right until right before it was yeah. released. And so, while it might not have made the transition for the Mac Pro, we did get the Mac Studio. And that's actually been one of my favorite products uh, from this year because it powers yeah. everything I do here at this desk. So, but we'll talk about what we can look forward to. He, Mark Gurman did say in 2023, we should see an M2 Pro Mac Mini, M2 Ultra in some kind of device, maybe an updated Mac Studio, an M2 Pro and M2 Max in the MacBook Pro line, which that seems pretty reasonable. Probably maybe fall time or maybe summer, but we'll see. We'll get to that. A couple other pieces of news. The self-repair program has now added the M1 iMac, M1 Mac Mini, and the Mac Studio. And so if you want to try and repair your own M1 Max, you can now do that. And even the Studio display has been added to the self-repair program. I don't know about you, William, but I have no desire no. to take apart any of these devices. I would not do it. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. No, not at all. And I feel Apple knows this, but, uh, you know, if anybody's brave enough, good on them. And everybody has enough money to rent the tools or buy whichever bits and, uh, yeah, and risk a machine going wrong well then it's great for them and why shouldn't it be but no i looking down at this macbook pro thinking no and that m1 imac that is a very very thin computer mm. and the whole computer part is in like that chin area i don't want to mess with that <laughs> I, I have you ever repaired like an imac where you have to like pizza cutter the screen off have you ever done that i've been involved in incidents that were related to this that's as far as i'm going to go i did not myself get my hands dirty but i held dirty hands while it happened and it was uh not a success shall we say so the first time you do it it is one of the scariest things and i literally broke Ooh. an imac display the first Ooh. time i pizza cuttered it off i replaced the hard drive with an ssd everything was looking good and when i 
plugged the display back in and turned on the computer, there was a nasty green line down the middle of the monitor, like an inch wide. And I was like, well, I guess I must have bent it a little too yes. far because oh. <laughs> that's broke. I, yeah. But after that, actually, I've actually replaced maybe maybe 10 or so iMacs because I've, I've, I've the, where I used to work, we had a bunch of older iMacs, the kind that were like the unibody and replacing the super slow hard drive that was like 5,200 RPMs or whatever. If you replace that with an SSD, it is an incredible upgrade to those older iMacs and they feel much faster. And so part of my gig was just like changing out a bunch of those and I got pretty comfortable with it. And so I never messed up again. And I, I did about, you know, you order the iFixit kit, you get the little adhesive strips. And I did probably about 10 or so of those and I didn't mess them up again. So, But just to be absolutely clear here, none of these Macs were actually yours. So your money wasn't on the line <laughs> at any point, right? No, no, none of them were mine. And I would not mess with my studio display or my Mac studio right now. And I mean, also the company that you worked for doing this job, they let you do the second one even after the first one had gone awry. Well, the first one was for like a like a client, not necessarily my actual work, and then the rest of them were for my work. So, okay. I guess I kind of practiced on a uh, different client at first. On the clients, uh, uh, Mac. There you go. That's Yeah, right. yeah. Listen, I, I bought a new display on eBay or whatever, and I replaced it, and all good. Oh, I see. It was all oh, good. okay. It was all That's good. all right. Then. Uh, which yes. those, man, those were expensive, buying just a display oh, only. I, can I basically made no money <laughs> on that repair because it was like $250, I think, just for a display on eBay. Not cheap. That's cheap, cheap, but pretty good price for what you get, isn't it? An iMac display is amazing. Yeah, I, I mean, it was a Retina Ooh. one, so I mean, it's not, you know, it's pretty pretty good display. I won't be taking apart any of my computers. No. I, I get Apple Care on pretty much everything. I even got it on my studio display, even though it's just sitting here on a desk, because because it's a studio display. I don't, I don't want to ever have to worry about trying to fix something myself. So, yeah, are you? I forget. Are you an Apple Care guy? Do you get Apple Care? No, I should be for certain things, but I just am not. It's over the years the budget has been such that Apple Care made the difference being able to get something or not. And uh, although you go around smashing your Apple Watch into walls and things, um, yeah. I have none of those <laughs> issues. I've I have shattered the screen on my iPhone uh, once since two thousand and seven, and that was a horrible time. But I don't even have a case on it, so yeah, mm. I'm just seemingly naturally more careful than you this is now wait a minute when you were thinking you were traveling on a river cruise did you put a case on your iphone then uh no no i didn't you were gonna go no case yes wow i'd be curious for our listeners what the split is on no case versus case i don't do no case also because the camera bump is so big now i feel like without a case it's always like rocking mm. back and forth on a table you ever experience that? Yes, but I'm very careful. I keep it in pockets. I keep it in bags occasionally. I very rarely have it slapped down on on a hard surface. Anyway, I have a kind of a, a leather, um, I was going to say mouse mat, but it's broader than that, a desk mat on my main office desk. And so it rests quite comfortably on there. But otherwise, no, I don't put it down. What about when you're uh, walking down the street there over in the UK? Do you ever use your iPhone while you're walking down the street and where are you going to drop it? Uh, yes and yes, but no. Okay. <laughs> but but you've never dropped it? Uh, once when I was putting it into well, just my pocket, uh, it, it kind of flew out of my hand and did this amazing um, arc through the air away from me. Oh. And I watched it shatter on the ground. Uh, but I have no idea how it sort of reverse slipped out of my hand that time no otherwise uh, no wow okay well that, that kudos to you i i don't uh i always like it when i take it out of the case just to like kind of feel yeah. the raw iphone and it's always like that's oh, a really nice hardware device but it goes right back in the case i don't i don't keep it out i don't like doing that oh see i just put my magsafe case back on i don't know if you yeah. did that anyway also i thought this was interesting wes actually pointed this out on twitter but there's a new app there's a new apple music show for classical works and it's hosted with alexis french he's a classical pianist and he has i love his music actually I, I listened to his stuff even before this show came out but it's basically kind of an interview style show where they also play some music and i thought this was just i thought this was interesting because i went to listen to it and it's very much like a podcast style show where he's talking he interviews people and then there's, you know, some music that's played with it. And I was like, I would love this as a podcast. 
And so I thought, let me check. I went to Apple Podcasts, but it is not there as a podcast. It is only in the Apple Music app. And you could be halfway through listening to this show with Alexis French. And if you go to like play another piece of music, it totally loses your place. And so if you're like 20 minutes into this hour show and you go play another music track, it loses your place. So the next time you go back to it, it just starts from the beginning again. And I thought this was very strange. Like that's definitely something you'd want to save your place in. If they wanted to do something like Spotify, where you have these talk type shows in addition to the music, which I know there's also like Apple Music Radio, but mm. do you ever listen to that? Do you ever listen to like the interviews with Zane Lowe or whatever? No, because uh, I'm in the UK. I was used to Zane Lowe from BBC Radio, and it's so like I've had enough there. Thank you. Um, <laughs> this, when she was saying that, that suddenly made me wonder whether we're going to get an Apple uh, classical radio station as well, and that this is a production. Well, and this this was the thing because that was one another promise. That was another promise that Apple said. Apple Music Classical standalone app will launch in 2022. Looks like at this stage in the game, we're not going to get it. I mean, we're like one week left of the year. I doubt Apple's going to launch something between Christmas and New Year's. So I don't think we're getting it. But this does seem like an ideal piece of content for a standalone classical app that also has talk shows that will save your place. And uh, I'm, I've been waiting for the standalone classical app for a while. So I don't know. I, I think this is... Uh interesting. I wish it was a podcast format. And one of the things I'm looking forward to in 2023 is I hope they launch this classical app. I want to, I want to yes. see it. I want to use it. And um, me too. Yeah. But at the shows you've heard from this, were there, was there anything in them that was um, topical that meant they had to go when you heard them, they couldn't have been saved up for the app? No, I mean, it wasn't super like of the moment, you know, it's just commentary on different music works and pieces. So, you know, it could have launched with the Apple musical classic Apple music. That's going to be interesting to say the Apple music classical app, but I really just want it as a podcast. And I mean, Apple does so many original podcasts and they're in the podcast app. I don't know. Uh, I feel like it would have been better served there. So we'll see. We'll see when Apple music classical launches, if this will be uh a talk show radio style thing there. I never tapped that radio tab in the, uh, in the music. App. I did listen Not to once. the country. When it first came out and I was writing about it, I left the country music uh, channel on for quite a while. And I liked it, but um, I, I like American country music from about September to October, 1996. Uh, and there wasn't a lot of that on the show. William, did you just say you listen to American country music? Yes, um, but only music issued or played on heavy rotation between September and October 1996, yeah. And also, actually, only by women, because men look so silly with those hats, I just can't take it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Are you for real with me right now? I can't tell if you're pulling my leg. Yeah, I am, actually. No, there's a there's a channel you still have in the States called CMT, Country Music Television. And for quite a while, it was here in the UK. And when I discovered it, uh, it was desperate for ratings. So anything it could possibly call, even in 4-4 time, was included. So there was Bruce Springsteen was on there. <laughs> Dar Williams, who doesn't really sit into a genre, but you could, if you really wanted to, call some of her songs a bit like country. And actually, that's how I discovered Dar Williams, D-A-R Williams. I utterly love her writing for it. And oh. I used to listen to it while I was doing the washing up. Um, I would actually have it on the TV set on Sky Television and reflected in the glass window of our kitchen while I was washing up. And then CMT pulled out of the UK just as I got into it about five to six weeks later. But to this day, there are certain songs uh, by Gretchen Peters, uh, for example, that I really like. And I, I the other day I looked it up and it is a very specific period in time I like. Yeah. Wow. Well, you learn something new every day. I had no idea that you listen to American country music. This episode is brought to you by Amazing. Amazing is the Swiss army knife of iOS device management for Mac and Windows that delivers unparalleled access to features and capabilities that Apple doesn't provide. Things like a powerful local backup solution for iPhone and iPad, including support for time machine-like snapshots and automatic backups over Wi-Fi. You can easily transfer music between your iOS device and any computer without limitation. Now with a built-in music player so you can listen to your music directly without Apple Music or iTunes. 
Anti-amazing is the best way to move files from your computer to your iPad or iPhone with Quick Transfer, a free feature of iMazing. One click drag and drop is all it takes to get any file into any iOS supported app on your device. You can also browse and export iPhone messages or WhatsApp, and you can export those to PDF, Excel, or plain text for safekeeping or compliance purposes. Plus, they have advanced tools for geeks and developers like extracting log files, view the device's real-time console, browse and open system files, and a ton more. Amazing is constantly updated with new features. It's handcrafted in Switzerland by Apple fans who enjoy supporting the latest iOS, iPadOS, and macOS features. You could try it today and learn more at iMazing.com. That link is also in the show notes. Go to iMazing.com and try it for free today. Our thanks to iMazing for sponsoring this episode. So real quick, wanted to talk about weather apps because Dark Sky, if you remember years, I think it was like two years now at WWDC, Apple acquired Dark Sky, was incorporating the features like precipitation forecasts and all that into the stock weather app. And now Dark Sky is going to be sunsetted at the end of this year, which is like in a week. So if you still use the Dark Sky app, you will not be able to once we enter 2023. Now, there are lots of options out there for weather apps. And we have an article, I'll put the link in the show notes, that talks about the several apps. The Weather Channel app, which I find kind of obnoxious. Do you, have you, do you use the Weather Channel app? No, I'm a, I was a Dark Sky user, then um, I'm stock weather app. When the last revision of it was done, and it, ha- and it visibly absorbed all of Dark Sky's ethos, that's when I did it. So a Weather Channel I've seen online, and it looks quite ugly even online. So I can't imagine using it in an app, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it is, it is quite ugly. But anyway, you have the Weather Channel app. There's a few others in the article, but Carrot Weather is also the very popular app, especially for widgets and the Apple Watch app. Carrot Weather is very popular. I just, I use the Stock Weather app too. I just find that it's been really good. The precipitation forecasts have been pretty spot on, at least here in the States for me, even in Florida, where it could rain for five minutes and then not for three hours and then rain for five minutes again. So Stock Weather app has been really good. I should say, actually, Stock Weather app is not good here in the UK for rain starting in seven minutes, ending in 11. It tries and it tells you that stuff, but it's generally wrong. Uh, but in exactly the same way mm. that Dark Sky was. I think there are fewer weather stations here. It's more of a microclimate. It's a gorgeous feature where it works, but it doesn't happen to work here. And actually, speaking of gorgeous, I think the design of Apple's new thing, even the subtlety of the animation... And stuff. There's a developer who calls herself uh, Naval Swift. Mm-hmm. I'm presuming Swift is a reference to the language, not her real name, but she's on Twitter as Naval Swift. And she talked about at some point, whenever this first came out, of the effort that went into the redesign of it. And I, I think Apple did a marvelous job. Yeah, I agree. I, I really like it. Although it's also been buggy for me since 16.2, which I'm not going to complain about it again here, but my entire HomeKit home has now lost 21 devices again 21 devices are showing no response <sighs> after yeah. i factory reset them all and repaired them i just it's ridiculous i don't even know what's happening yeah i'm a bit fed up of HomeKit at the moment uh, i moved wi-fi networks up in an euro thing and i've got everything back bar one light uh and i just tried to connect uh, i i like being able to walk into a living room at this time of year and say hey iris or something very similar, it's Christmas, uh-huh. and have all the Christmas lights come on. And I, I got it to work for an hour, and then it stopped. And so I'm just fed up of devices not responding or not connecting. Yeah, It's just, oh, and what is wrong with our porch? Why can't HomeKit find our porch light? Why? Why? It's bad. I don't, 16.2 has been buggy, I think, in multiple areas. The Home app, especially for me, but also the weather widget. A lot of times I have a weather widget on my home screen mm. and when I unlock my phone, it just doesn't show anything. It'll just say no weather data. Oh, really? And I have to tap it. Kind of, yeah, it's weird. 16.2, kind of a thumbs down for me. It was not, not great, no. but indeed. what are you yeah. going to do? You know what I mean? I'm not going on the beta. Not doing it. Are you doing that? Are you on the 16 point there? Uh, not, not deliberately. No. Right. No. <laughs> it's, it's never on purpose. You just find yourself on it somehow. <laughs> yes. Just... It has happened. Yes. Yeah. This is so interesting. Yeah. Just how you, how that happens. Okay. Now I've had several requests from our listeners and followers on social media. They're asking if you're going to join Mastodon. Are you going to join Mastodon? Oh, you mean me specifically? They're asking. Oh, that's very. Yeah. No, you're, you're the only William I'm talking to right now. I mean, yeah, you. Are you going to join Mastodon? Tr- I did just look over my shoulder to see who you meant, but uh, you mean me? Uh, yep, I've been on Mastodon for 
three weeks, four weeks now or so. Oh, you have? Yeah. Um, I like the people I meet on there. We chat a little bit. Uh, it seems to have coincided with my doing less social media, which is unfortunate. I don't feel like I've really explored it very much. Like I, I don't think I've even found you on there yet. I, I, I take it you're on. I, I am on there, but now I'm, I'm searching for you. Let's see. I'm at wgallagher at home.social. And I chose that uh, home.social very carefully. I copied a poet here in the UK, Jonathan Davidson, the poet, mentioned it gone on. I thought, well, if he knows that one, I'll do that one. So lots of research went into that. <laughs> Wait, so it's at, at what? At wgallagher at home.social. Okay. Do you not have a profile picture on here? Uh, I just see an elephant. Do you know, I can't even remember. That okay. sounds quite likely. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm now following you. So all of our listeners. Uh, oh, yeah. here's a way to check. Um, have I just blocked you? Oh, um, that might be it. That might be it. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, th- I think I just followed you. I think I found you. So all, for all of our listeners, William is on there. And uh, it's at wgallagher at home.social. I don't want to get into Twitter, William. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get into it, but no, that's not, there's been a, a mass exodus, uh, not, not even an exodus, but just people saying not going to tweet on here anymore. Not going to be active. I'm going to Mastodon. Lots of people like Marco Arment, Casey Liss, a lot of journalists, because there was that news, I think late last week or early this week where Elon Musk was like banning journalists who were Mm. bad mouthing Twitter, which is Hilarious from a free speech standpoint. But anyway, not I'm not getting into it, William. Why are you trying to bait me into getting into this? I'm not going to get into it. I wasn't even listening. I was uh, adding it, uh, back on Mastodon, finding that you'd followed me and following you back. So, um, you oh, know. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. Oh, very good. Okay. Mastodon is not as user-friendly as most other social networks, but it's getting better. And I find that there's more and more people on there. Yeah. Not as many as Twitter, obviously, just yet. I also find Mastodon is not great for real-time communication. There was a TapBots post. I don't know. What do we, what do we call a Mastodon message? What, what is that? It is a, uh, well, some people keep calling them toots, but that doesn't need to be catching on. So I don't know. I, don't, I mean, toots is what people call tweets. Is it? I thought. Oh, okay. Well, maybe people are calling it toots. Maybe I'm, let's call them tusks. Okay. We'll say, Oh, I see why you did that. Yeah, okay. That's what I, yeah, yeah, my yeah, mind yeah. went to Fleetwood Mac there, you see, so I was just slightly confused. Oh. <laughs> yeah, maybe we can get tusks to catch hmm. on. Uh, it's kind of hard to say, tusks. Anyway, hmm. uh, TapBot, the makers of TweetBot and PasteBot, they're making an app for Mastodon, which is very similar to TweetBot. It's called Ivory. Hmm. See, with the tusk, you know what I mean? And there's they've been releasing like, beta access through test flight periodically and whenever they announce it it fills up almost immediately because everyone wants to use a good app because right now mastodon doesn't have a first party app there are some other third party apps that are pretty good like mammoth you know tapbots is well known makes great applications but i was following them and they said all right we're gonna to we're gonna tusk out no that's not gonna work it's not gonna work we're gonna post in an hour the link to our test flight and like mark it down and then you'll, you can get access if you're quick enough. And I said, all right, I'm going to set a reminder for an hour from now. And I'm going to like, get in there, get in there on the beta. I set the reminder, went for an hour, went back to Mastodon. I went on the website. So I wasn't even trusting any kind of third party API or whatever. And it, it just would not show up. The post from TapBots wasn't showing up. And it wasn't until 15 minutes later that it finally showed up in my feed or whatever for Mastodon. And I was like, for real time, this is not great, but I have now since got into the Ivory beta, or I guess it's even an alpha right now, just today, just earlier today, they, they opened up some more uh, test flight spots. And so I got in there right away. I actually just kept clicking the test flight link directly, <laughs> not even waiting for the Mastodon post. And I finally got in and I will say Ivory is great. And it is a wonderful client for using Mastodon like a social network. But Mastodon still has a long way to go. Things like GIFs and media are kind of weird and take a while to load. A lot of times pictures are blurred out at first and you have to tap it to load. So again, not, not great in a lot of areas, but it's an alternative. Like it is a viable option. And I've been on there a little more and I will put William and my Mastodon handles in, in the show notes in addition to Twitter. But, you know, going to try and uh, gonna try and keep using it, yeah. you know? 
I, I like to say I like the people I meet on it. You know? Yeah. So let's do it. Yeah. They're doing good. And, you know, it is interesting because you can make, like, your own server. Like, the MacStories.net guys, they actually have their own Mastodon server. And they're all, like, Vitici at MacStories.net on Mastodon. And what's nice is, like, because it's an independent server, like, even if Mastodon shuts down some of their main servers, like, they'll still be able to be there, and people like us could still follow them. So, it's a, I don't know if decentralized is the right word, yeah, but it's yeah, federated. Is that another word? No, decentralized. It reminds me of the way the whole internet was supposed to be self-repairing if a center goes out. Back when, the, uh, what was the precursor to DARPANET? Was that, no, ARPANET. Uh -huh. um, that was the whole design of the internet. You can lose a center and it all continues. It's the same. Well, it's uh, it's it's not, not bad. So I'll put our Mastodon links in there. I've been on there trying to be more active on it. Okay. So let's let's do a little retrospective here on 2022. Next week uh, with Jason, I'm going to be talking about more like the hardware, the events, and some of the feature set or whatever. But I thought it'd be interesting to talk about kind of our third-party app use cases. You know, for this last year, where have we landed on maybe our most used apps or still of our favorite apps or ones that have had big updates, significant updates this year? And I feel like there's some excellent ones out there, and we've talked about these probably in the past. But I do have to mention. Pixelmator oh, is yes. just killing it. Yes. Killing it. They added the video editing on the Mac side. They also added some kind of like machine learning something or other. Uh, the debanding uh, thing. Debanding. Yeah, yes. I've never I... heard the term. And I'm looking at their press release thinking, I don't know what this is. But then they show you an example. And it's a, a reasonably low res JPEG where the, the blue sky is actually quite stripy. And suddenly when you see it, you think, oh, yeah, I've seen that a lot for it and right. this just fixes it for it yes it's very impressive it is it is amazing pixelmator both on the ipad and the mac you can even get it on the iphone but well if you have different versions it, for it uh, pixelmator pro is still mac only isn't it but there's pixelmator photo and there's a kind of just pixelmator that i think is still around for the ipad that has so many uh great features on it as well it's an amazing company thing and they keep pumping out really strong updates it's great it is it is amazing. And, you know, they integrate with shortcuts, especially for things like removing background, yeah. which is built into the OS now, but I still find Pixelmators is really excellent. Pixelmator all the way. They have just killed it this year. A big shout out to Pixelmator. I also want to give a shout out to Ferrite because they had a big update just at the end of this year. They released Ferrite 3. Canis, the developer, he was on the show several years ago now. But this Ferrite 3 update is amazing. You can edit at up to 2x speed. There's an entire visual overhaul of the library and the like navigating your projects and templates. It is just amazing. And Ferrite is what I use to edit the podcast every week. This HomeKit Insider and two other shows. Literally, that's all I use to edit is Ferrite 3. And I love it. It's amazing. I love using it with universal control because as I do chapters for this show, I will literally have Apple Insider pulled up on my Mac and I'll have all the articles that we talked about. And I will literally just drag an image from the Apple Insider article on my Mac, drag it to the edge of the screen, drag it onto the iPad using universal control, and drop the image on the chapter art area in Ferrite, and it just loads the image. And right there, the, the chapter art is right there. So I could do it across those devices. Universal control works amazingly. So huge shout out to Ferrite 3. You got to try it. Actually, the, the moment I heard there was a new version of Ferrite, you were the first person I thought of. Uh, so you've obviously got it, but you used it. Or you used this um, faster editing, two times normal speed thing. How does that go for you? It's amazing. I actually had access to the beta before it went public, and I've been editing for months with it. And editing at 2x speed is amazing. Like I now edit the Apple Insider and HomeKit Insider shows at 2x speed, and I'm still able to edit. I actually posted a video on Twitter, I think, I'm not sure if I did it on Mastodon, but I posted a video on Twitter of me actually editing live and using the 2x speed. And it, I mean, it's great. I mean, I can edit the show in almost half the time that I was before. So it's almost in real time. Like for an hour show, I can now edit it in about an hour, cutting out all the ums and breaks and 
Anything else? Like all the swearing, obviously oh, yeah. that, that comes out that. very early on. Oh, never tell me it. about it. You never yeah. hear it. But fortunately, they're all very British swear words. So some of them you don't even know are actually swear words. No, okay. I don't even know. Things like poppers and Q. Those are swears, right? Right. I don't know what either of those are. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Don't you guys say that? Don't you guys say poppers for buttons? Well, I've heard that word used in different contexts. Anyway, um, I okay. I edit audio in Logic Pro, which I, it's only had sort of steady updates this year. It doesn't mean anything big, and I, but it's been one of my apps of the year. I utterly love it. Have you edited audio in Logic Pro, and how does that compare with Ferroid for you? I edit in Logic Pro as well. I've edited, I used to edit podcasts there like years ago, and I've edited music stuff too. I mean, Logic Pro is amazing. It's an extremely powerful application. But when it comes to just making those quick cuts and snapping the timeline so like it eliminates the space, it's just several steps in Logic where it's not in Ferrite. Like I can literally drag with the Apple Pencil in Ferrite, select all the tracks, delete a section, and then there's a ripple delete option which will literally move all the tracks in time to take up that space. And so there's no more blank space. And like that's literally a one Apple Pencil move in Ferrite where in Logic, I mean, it's a couple clicks. Oh. I, I forget exactly how many it would be, but that, that's the kind of stuff that makes Ferrite much faster for me. So that, that sounds like the magnetic timeline in Final Cut Pro. You edit something and everything shoves yep. up. I love that. But key word there, you said Apple Pencil there. Uh, yeah. I take it, do you, would you say an Apple Pencil is essential for Ferrite on the iPad? Definitely. I would say, like, I've edited with just the Magic Keyboard in Ferrite, just trying to do that. And it is it is not as... Fast. It is not as useful. Like I really find the Apple Pencil makes editing podcasts in Ferrite super right. fast. If I was just using the the trackpad and the mouse, like it would not be the same. So definitely Apple Pencil. I've done it with my finger editing in Ferrite. There was an emergency. Some emergency. How how can you have an audio emergency? But I needed to do some audio work very quickly, and Ferrite was anything available, and I used my fingers to do it and I, and I liked it and it worked but it didn't feel as brilliant as you've made it sound and now I realized actually this is another reason why I should consider an Apple Pencil again mm. you really should well do you have one for your uh, iPad Pro I bought uh, one of the original Apple Pencils first generation one so it doesn't work in my iPad Pro from last year but I gave it to my wife Angela who uh, hardly ever uses it either so yeah I mean my handwriting is so poor I'm never going to use it for anything other than control no, no. so it's an expensive control when i have a cheap finger to prod at things <laughs> i mean i literally only use it for ferrite that's the only thing i do or if i have like a, a document like a pdf that i need to sign and fill out for some kind of like medical thing or yeah. whatever then i'll bring it into good notes and i'll use the apple pencil for that but really it's only ferrite for me also i have to give a huge shout out to fantastical which Obviously, we've talked about it before. It's an amazing calendar app. But this year, they adopted focus filters with iOS 16. They were like right on launch. They had focus filters available, and they are amazing. I use Fantastical for lots of reasons. It's really just excellent. But the focus filters integration and that update was amazing. And also, like, I don't think you can do this in the stock calendar app, but like just the ability to hide an event. Do you use Fantastical? I forget. I actually stopped this year. Um, when it came up to renewal of the subscription, I, it just hit at a moment when I had subscription fatigue. And also, um, I've been using Setup, which includes BusyCal, which is another, another excellent uh, calendar app. And I thought, why am I paying for two? I will try to just use BusyCal. And no offense to BusyCal, but I find even with it there, I'm calling up Fantastical's little... Um, pop-up menu drop one so often <laughs> and i'm i'm only occasionally hitting features that I, i'm missing but it's enough that i'm going to go back onto fantastical and you you said oh, it was focus filters and things uh that came in since i stopped i'll be looking forward to trying those out what what do you use them for this hiding of events that you don't want to face up to yeah <laughs> absolutely i mean i use focus filters every day so i have a focus mode that enables at 6 p.m during the week and I call it my evening focus mode and all of my work emails, work calendars, all of that gets hidden away. And so if it's Fantastical, if it's my mail app, all of those inboxes and calendars just hide. So I don't see any work stuff after 6 p.m. Then I also have a weekend focus filter where again, all of my work accounts, email accounts and mail, 
calendars, like it all gets hidden, but I still can see my personal events. So events that I share with my spouse or with my kids, things that are scheduled for the weekend that I still want to see, I still see those. And I don't see all of the work stuff. And if you get a work like invite, like a meeting invite, you won't have to see it or deal with it. So it's a, it's clutch. I love it. So if I ever have, uh, I need to have a meeting for you about something awful and terrible bad news. I should make sure I email at 5.59 on a Friday. Yeah. To just get in your head before. You, okay. Yeah. All yeah right. That would be, that would be wonderful. Yeah. Okay, noted. Lot, yeah that's, that's uh that would be the, <laughs> you'd get right in under the wire if you did that. That's right. <laughs> Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Uh, also I have been using reader a ton this year. Oh yes. It is wonderful. I use it on all my devices, iPhone, iPad on the Mac. I have all my RSS feeds filing into Reader. I even have YouTube channels. Yeah. And you can get like the RSS feeds for YouTube channels, feed those into Reader. It's really wonderful. And especially like with all that's going on with Twitter, it's where I just get the news. Uh, I get all the news from Reader and it's wonderful. Uh, Love it. I've been using Reader religiously for years, many, many times a day. Business, personal stuff, utterly adore it. But just in the last few days, I heard an interview with Tim Stringer, a guy who does learn OmniFocus. Uh, he was interviewed on Mac Power Users, and he mentioned things he does, and one of them was just what you said there about YouTube videos in Reader, and I had no idea that this app I use so much did even more than I thought. And from that instant, I've been adding uh, YouTube channels. And so reader, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. It's wonderful. Wonderful. Love reader. Pocket Cast is still my podcast player of choice. I tried Apple Podcasts for a while this year, like for several months. It's good. And I know it's obviously the most used podcast app, but Pocket Cast still has a Pocket Cast still has it for me. I still love it. Which do you use now? Uh, Apple's own podcast one. Uh, I think. Nobody's perfect, William. It's okay. <laughs> Pocket Casts has this button of playing things back at uh, faster than normal speed. Uh, and Apple Podcasts also has that as well, except on Apple Podcasts, it's called unsubscribe. You know, uh, if you're listening to something and it, you think it sounds better at faster than normal speed, find a better podcast. So, you know, I don't need other features uh, like this. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, I get it. Anyway, Pocket Cast is so great. Bear is still my note-taking app of choice. I love Bear. I do every article that I write, every meeting note, everything, like scripts for videos. I do it all in Bear. I love Bear. Where where do you do your notes and writings and stuff like that? All over the place. Notes go into Apple Notes. Uh, every article is written in drafts five. Scripts, if it's you know, uh, if it's for a podcast or a video, and my I have a YouTube channel. Scripts for that, I tend to write in Omni Outliner because it starts off as notes and builds up. Uh, but actual scripts, you know, TV or radio and stuff, go into Final Draft like this. So and occasionally pages for for just you know when I'm in a crazy mood. I do like pages. Yeah. Now, don't, now, don't you find that it would be more convenient if you were able to search everything that you've written in one place and see all the results from that search query at once? Uh, about 30 years ago, I worked with a man who made sure he saved a plain text copy of every single thing he wrote into one document. And I thought then that was a superb idea and I should really do something like it. But three decades on, I still haven't got around to it. So... You know, <laughs> I guess if you if you have a system where this kind of writing goes there and this kind goes here, like I guess you'd be able to find it. But I just do everything in bear so I can search and all the notes with that search term gets pulled up. You know? If I start a new uh, episode, you plan for a new episode on YouTube, I run a shortcut. It asks me what it is. It figures out the number in the series and it creates all of the folders, including the bare bones script using Omni Outliner. They're just all done and there for me. Uh, so just it's become automatic now. Omni, Out Omni Outliner for so many things. You're talking about things we like this year. I don't think Omni Outliner's had a significant update this year, but there probably hasn't been a day. There definitely hasn't been an event I've done that I haven't been planning in Omni Outliner. So uh, mm. as ever a favorite of this year and all years forever. Okay. Yes. All right. Now I know you're an Omni focus guy as yes. well, which is your tasks for everything. Oh, yes. I'm still a things guy. I still really enjoy things everywhere. Just the design and the design's amazing, and also things is such a good name for it. Oh, oh yeah, it's a great really name, gorgeous. great yeah. icon. 
Love it. Yeah, it's just not quite powerful enough uh, for me. It's like um, it follows the, the getting things done methodology, but it doesn't quite follow it. Um, so there's just the thing that uh, you have to, I think this is still true. You ha- With OmniFocus, right, every week or so, it'll remind you, you haven't looked at these projects and it will kind of encourage you to look through and just check things out. So you're always on top of everything. With things, you can do that, but it doesn't guide you through it. It doesn't remind you or prompt you. So it's like the review process doesn't really exist in things. Is that still the case? That is still the case. There's a logbook in things where you can see like what previous tasks you've accomplished for each day. Hmm. So you can kind of review that. But yeah, it doesn't have all those kinds of features. And honestly, I actually use a combination of reminders and things hmm. because one thing I wish things would do is not show me a task if it's something that I can't do until a certain time of the day. Yeah, OmniFocus does that, but I took it for granted that things did. Right, I know OmniFocus does that, which... Oh, right. Wow, I'm really surprised at that. Any task that has a due date for today will be in the things window from the beginning of the day. You can add a reminder for a certain time, and that's when it will notify you, but it's visible in the interface. And I, when when I have a task that I can't do until like, 3 p.m. on a certain day. I don't want to see it until 3 p.m. And so I actually use reminders for that kind of stuff. It'll be recurring reminders, repeating or whatever. And then it will show up at 3 p.m. and I'll see the reminder pop up on my Mac and other devices. And that's how I deal with those. I did wish I can kind of do all that in one. And uh, that's a feature request if things is listening. Oh, I've realized when you said that, I do use another app called Dew, uh, D-U-E, for really time-sensitive things because it prods you on your watch and the phone and things, and it does not give up until you go in and say, yes, I've done it, (laughs) stop it. Um, And uh, OmniFocus years ago promised that sort of feature was coming, and it doesn't seem to have. So notifications don't prod me as much as Dew does. So for the odd thing... Can't think of an example, but a phone call I've got to make at a certain time. That happened today. Uh, that yeah. was in due. Uh, I don't like being sped over multiple systems. I know what I just said about writing, but for reminders and things, I like to know if I look here and everything is done, then everything is done. Mm. I don't have to go find some other system to check there as well. But I do do for that. Yeah, I see that. I can see that. And the last app, third party app that I'll mention, Pastel. I'm not sure if I've mentioned this before, but. Pastel is an incredible little app where it can keep color palettes for you. And it has this really cool feature where if you want to pull the colors from a certain image, let's say a logo, this way you can use those colors elsewhere. You can actually just drag an image into the pastel window and it will literally pull the exact colors in the image that you dragged into there. And then you can have different libraries uh, where like different color palettes are saved. And if you work with like brands, especially if you're like a web designer or graphic designer, and you work with the same brands over and over again, Pastel is a great way to keep those brand colors in one place. And then what you can do is you can go into that color group for a certain brand. And when you right-click one of the colors, you can copy the hex value, the RGB value, float, HSL. And this way, if you work at HTML, you can just use the hex value. Or if you're doing something like in Pixelmator or whatever, you can copy the RGB or the hex. And I just love it. Like, it's a really convenient way to keep brand colors in one place and quickly access them and copy things that are useful, like hex codes. Wonderful. So how often do you find yourself ripping off brand colors from other sites then? Well, not not from other sites, but like, so for my, my movies podcast, I dragged the podcast artwork into pastel and it pulled the dominant colors from the artwork. And then whenever I'm going to make something for that podcast, whether it's a social media graphic or whatever, I'll go into pastel and I can choose any of the four dominant colors, copy the hex value. And I know it's the exact color from the brand and you're good to go. And there's like three or four brands I use regularly. When I was doing more website building, I use it a lot more often because, you know, if you're making a website, hopefully there'll be some kind of color palette or logo to use. And I would import it and, and use those you know, pretty often. So it's it's a really cool app, Pastel. We'll put links to all of these in the show notes. And now you have a couple listed here. I recognize one, I think. So tell me about your third-party apps of choice. Well, I think the quickest one is uh, Mars Edit has just had a really nice update. Uh, it's a Mac-only, uh-huh. uh, I suppose, word processor for blogs. 
it just it connects really easily to whatever your blog is, WordPress in my case, and it just is a nice editor. Um, it went in, grabbed all of my blog posts, 700 odd of them uh, in my self-destruct blog, put them all there for me to just scoot through, do anything I want. And I, I, I suppose there's no logical benefit to using it locally instead of going online to WordPress and going through the WordPress archive, but it feels as if there is. It feels like it's yours, <laughs> it's there, you can take your time over something, uh, even with a bad internet connection. Like, actually, I got into it partly because it came out just before I didn't go away, but I also figured when I went away, I was going to have very limited internet access. So I was always going to prepare the blog offline and kind of squirt it in, and this just did it so well i find i'm doing more because of it so mars edit huh. yay love it mm. okay yeah mars edit's been around for a long time yeah that is a good app and then your other one i think you've mentioned it before but what is hookmark hookmark i love hookmark it's transformed my writing this year i mean i used it last year it was known as hook and it was very good but i found it oddly hard to get into this year it's got new features it's been rebranded as hookmark which i think is a great name and uh, it's also now part of setup and things so i looked at it again and you know i there's the way i used to work before hookmark and there's the way i work now oh. uh, it's it gathers together everything you're working on so for example i just uh, two or three times a year i do a magazine for a company and when that magazine comes around well there's a briefing from the client that's in a couple of different emails uh it's a collection of articles by young writers so they're all the submissions i have a folder of ones i've rejected i have emails about the rejections i have spreadsheets with the schedule for it uh, an affinity design uh sorry affinity publisher document for a pdf version and all of this stuff you know, yeah. When I'm in the magazine and I'm in Affinity Publisher and I think I can't remember what the publish what the client wanted me to do about this particular thing, I press a key and I'm in that email from them. It's not that I've been taken over to mail and gone to search for it. I'm in that very email. And when I'm in that email, I can leap to the rejected folder. I can leap from a rejected folder to the spreadsheet with the schedule on it. All of the things. You choose what you want linked to what and it's straight there. I mean, maybe a clear example is um, uh, I use spreadsheets quite a lot and stuff. So I have a spreadsheet for my bank accounts. When I'm in that specific spreadsheet, no other than the same keystroke will call up all of my bank accounts for it, all of my tax records mm. and things. And you just keep adding this stuff to it. And once you've got it together, I mean, I suppose that example with the publisher on it uh, and the client, I would have to come out of Affinity Publisher, go to Mail, search for the client's name. Maybe I'd put that email in a folder. And it's it's not hard, but it breaks the moment, the concentration. Whereas now it's, oh, I need to know this. I know it. It's done. And we carry on. It is uh, revolutionary, I think, is not too strong a word for Hookmark. Wow. All right. Hookmark, then. Finally, very quickly, let's look to 2023. William, I want to know what you're excited about for 2023, if and what Apple launches or third parties, that's cool too. But I think this might be the year for Apple VR. Yes, I think so too. Yes. I think that is a likely release. I'm very curious what the story will be yeah. behind that. Maybe we'll see it at WWDC. So developers get early access to a VR type device. But, you know, iPhone 15 with USB-C, mm. likely this year, finally saying goodbye to Lightning, an M2 iMac or Mac Mini you know, some of those hardware chip updates, but you know, I don't, I'm not sure what I'm, what I'm most excited about. I really do find like a lot of my Apple devices, they're just so good right now. Like my M2 iPad yeah. pro, my Mac studio, studio display, they're all great. And even as like iterative updates happen in this next year or two, you know, I don't know how much I'll be updating iPhone. I update every year, but you know, that's how we do. But the, um, yeah, I don't know. What are you most excited about? Weirdly, none of Apple's launches. I I, I know I will buy the iPhone 15 Pro. <laughs> I skipped the 14. Um, I know I'll buy the 15 right. Pro. Uh, but other than that, I just, unless Apple comes up with another Mac Studio type of surprise that makes me think, well, you know what Apple's like? When they bring anything out, you want it. They're very good at making you want it for at least a few hours there until you sober <laughs> up a little bit for it. Uh, I really like all of the gear I've got. I have a lot of Apple gear now, and I'm, I'm using it all to death, and I really like that. Um, but the iPhone is the one that will be replaced. I wonder what's going to happen with the Apple Watch Ultra 2, 
oh. uh, what's going to happen with there, or whether it's going to the line's going to blur together again for it. I'm not sure. I have an Apple Watch Series Seven, and I had there was nothing to compel me to go to an eight. But would that be to the nine? Mm. I don't know. It might be the the next major design overhaul because it's been pretty similar yeah. since the four. Maybe, maybe. But I'm I'm so happy with my Series Seven that it's going to take some doing to make me regret that. That I can guarantee as well. Also, there is a thing I know is coming in 2023 because I've been using the beta for. Such a long time. Uh, OmniFocus 4 for the Mac, the iPhone, and the iPad. Uh, you me- we mentioned it a moment ago. It's my to-do app of choice. Well, now it's my very to-do app of choice. The beta stuff. <laughs> I mean, go to the Omni Group's website and see if they can still let you on the beta test because uh, it is so, so good. Uh, it's hard to explain why. It just seems to fit my work even better than it did before. And there's so much automation that I don't tend to understand but uh, I copy other people's automation and they add things in. And so it's like I get extra features every few weeks on this thing, which actually also locks me yeah. into OmniFocus. I've suddenly realized I said it to you, but I'm quite happy to be locked in to that. <laughs> you're, a, you're a happy prisoner of, of OmniFocus, yeah. Yes, yes, I am. I think it's called Stockholm <laughs> Syndrome, but yeah, sure. Right, it's, okay, it's suddenly turned very negative, but yes. <laughs> I mean, every time I see OmniFocus and I hear you talk about it, I'm always like, do I upend my entire to-do process and go to this again? I also feel that way about email regularly. Like, I always wonder, well, which, well, I'm curious, William, what do you use for your personal email as a service? Like, what, where is it hosted? Apple Mail, iCloud and Apple Mail. I have tried uh, all of the rest. It feels like I've tried all of the rest. And there's always a great feature that tempts you away from Apple Mail. But then the feature isn't quite as good as you thought, or it's just something isn't solid or stable, and you end up coming back to Apple Mail thing. There are things I wish Apple Mail did that it doesn't, but I'm sorry. But do you use iCloud Mail or do you use like Gmail personally? Like what? Oh, iCloud Mail. Um, I joined when it was, uh, was it iTools first of all, and then it became .Mac. Um, I've been using all of those services since then. Don't you have a Gmail account too, though? Yes, but um, I actually, I created a Gmail account as an archive. I did this thing where at the end of every day, I would email myself uh, an article or whatever I was writing, the book, the chapter, the script. And I would email it from that account to that account. And any email from anyone else was instantly killed. So that was this pure, unfettered (laughs) list. Except Google decided no. And it started spreading that around as my email address. And so suddenly I'm getting emails from people. And then I'm getting meeting people who were saying, why do you never respond to emails? And the whole archive thing was destroyed by Google's Gmail oh. systems. I use Gmail where I have to with certain clients and I find it's it's powerful, but it's not like it's powerful for me. It's like it's powerful for Google. Isn't it? There's this weird thing that if somebody gets your address almost right, it still works. Well, I get a lot of spam that's almost my email address for it. <laughs> and it's just, what is the point of Gmail? You know, so fed up with that. Have you used the custom domain thing? For iCloud Mail? Uh, I remember looking into it when it started, uh, actually, and I'd totally forgotten. It didn't work when it first came out. It was like in a beta test, something was stopping me doing it, and I kept meaning to go back to do it, and I had entirely forgotten until you said that. Have you been using it, and is it great? No, I tried to set it up for a while, and it was okay, but you can only set up a limited amount of domains, and I have a problem with domains, William. I have, like, many, many domains that are, like, active for my email, <laughs> so... I need something like either Google, like I, I use Google, Google, <clears throat> I use Google Workplace right now, but I've always been tempted to go to fast mail, mm. just cut it with Google entirely. So I don't know. I don't know what I'll do there. So are you going to get Apple VR if it comes out this year? If they can convince me that it's useful for something, it's the killer app. That's what I can't imagine. Yeah. And I'm sure if anybody's going to imagine it, it will be Apple. But, you know, I've used VR and it's very impressive. Yeah. Really not sort of, I'm not going to, I don't yet imagine it's putting a helmet, oh, helmet, a headset on first thing in the morning and being in it all day doing my work. Um, and I think it kind of has to be something like that if we're going to spend thousands of pounds uh, or thousands of dollars rather on this kind of thing. We'll see. Hopefully this year. But thank you, William. It's been a great year. 
2022. I will see you again in 2023. That is not some kind of finality. I'm glad you said that. Thank you. Nice talking to you. Okay. <laughs> and listeners, let us know what you're looking forward to in 2023. You can tweet at William or I or uh, tusk us on Mastodon. <laughs> we will put those links in the show notes as well if you'd like to follow us there. And of course, you can leave the show a five-star rating and review. Support us for ad-free version and all of that. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.